feels like in um, when you're in school and you got to just keep clapping in between everything. It's like, save your claps to the end. Nope, not a light church. Okay, good to see you, everyone. Uh, if you're new here today, if this is your first time, a very, very big welcome. This is family, and uh, I hope you experience that and feel that today. Uh, we are going to be closing out a series called Uncertain. We've spent three weeks on this series, and as I've said over the past few weeks, of the 27 New Year's that I have experienced, the 27 sort of New Year's Day and New Year's resolutions and all that sort of stuff, this year felt different than all the others. It almost felt like because of COVID and because of all of the sort of, oh, we're not sure what's going to happen, we're not sure what the future looks like, we're not sure what's next, it was like people were a little bit afraid to make plans and make resolutions. It was like everyone had to tag on to the end of their plans. Oh, this is what I think I want to do, but we'll see what happens. And it seemed as though this fear or a little bit of like a shakiness of the future was just present in some ways in everyone, but in some people it was a really gripping feeling. Like we're not sure what the future looks like. We're just uncertain. If you were to ask yourself a question about how you have been able to navigate your way through life so far, about what it has looked like to get to the point you are at, I think it would be a safe assumption for me to make to say that your life is the sum total of the decisions that you have made. Or maybe the decisions that you failed to make, but that is still making a decision. Life is about the decisions that we make. I believe that God has given every single one of us a unique design and purpose on our lives. Every single one of us, God has placed future within us, no matter who you are, no matter how old or young, no matter how many times you've messed up, no matter how broken you feel, I believe that God has a future for every single one of us. He has placed it there when he breathed life into you. If you want to be the person that God has made you to be, then decision making is going to be a huge part of that. Now, and I've been researching around this idea of uncertainty and how people feel about the future, when people feel really unsure about their next step, when people have a big decision to make, this feeling of uncertainty where we don't know what is coming is often one of the most difficult places that we can ever make decisions in. One of the hardest places to make decisions is when we feel like we don't know what is coming next. If I were to say, this is what John Maxwell said, if I were to say to you, every decision you make also makes you. In other words, the decisions that we make lead us to being the people that we are today. The decisions that we have made have led us to the moment we find ourselves in today. And the thing is, if we find ourselves in uncertain times, which we will, maybe you're like, oh, I'm not there today, our life is all good, I know what the future looks like. I mean, you could just go read James and it would say, do not boast about tomorrow because we do not know what it brings. You could go read in the prophets and say, he who boasts about the future. You know what I mean? Like the Bible speaks, we don't know what is coming, but there will be times in our life when we feel, I just don't know what this looks like. Many of us are still in that sort of aftershock of that feeling, this New Year's. I don't know what the future looks like. It feels shaky to me. So when it comes to decisions, what I want to do real quickly 
If you're sat here today, and this is just going to be a brief summary, we've looked at decisions before we did a series last year, we did a series the year before. We're not going to look at how to make decisions today. Okay, we're going to look at some other sides of it. But just for a recap, if you're here like, I want to learn how to make good decisions, the Bible, to synthesize a bit of a view, the Bible will teach us three things about making good decisions. This is like a process. Is the first thing, if you have a decision to make, is ask, does God's word give a like a direct commandment or a principle into this decision that will help you in your decision-making process. The second step is, do you have peace from the Holy Spirit? You have a big decision in your make, do, to, to make in your life. Do you feel an inner peace that the Holy Spirit has affirmed that decision? And the third thing is, do you have confirmation from wise community that hold the same values as you? good Christian community that will help you make decisions. Those three things, you have to have that good balance of those three to be able to make good decisions in your life. Like I said, recap. Does the Bible say anything? Do you have peace with the Holy Spirit? And do you have confirmation from good, wise community? That is how we make good decisions. But we are in this series all about uncertainty. And listen to this. This is the definition of uncertainty. It says, not able to be relied on, not known or not definite. So how can we use those three things when it comes to making decisions, when we look at the future and go, I don't know if this can be relied on. I don't know if it's definite. I don't even know if it's exactly going to happen. I don't know what it looks like. Often one of the things I found in my life over the past two years, is anyone good at DIY? By a show of hands, we got any DIYers in there? Oh, we got a few. Okay, good. Nice, I'll get your numbers after. I, I am a keen DIYer, but I wouldn't put my hand up to say I'm a good DIYer. I'm one of those, you know when you go, go for food and then someone says your eyes are bigger than your belly? Well, I'm like that for DIY. It's like I think my skill is far greater than my actual ability to do it. So I'll, I'll, I'll sit there and I'll watch all the videos. And over the past two years, we've been renovating our house. I know you're sick of hearing stories about all the things that have gone wrong, but it's just good material for me right now, okay? Okay, I'm going to run dry on it soon, so don't worry. But while it's there, we're still going. I spent countless hours over the past two years watching YouTube videos about how to do certain things. I will type in how to move a radiator. And then I'll watch 17 different, usually Americans, teach me how to move a radiator. And it looks great. They have, they have their YouTube channel logo on their polo shirt. They have everything to make them look like they know what they're doing. I see it now. I can do that. Easy. I can do this. It's so simple. The thing is about DIY videos, they show you how it's supposed to go if everything is ideal. They show you how it's supposed to go if everything goes right. But me being the naive DIYer that I am, spent the majority of my time over the past two years when it came to my DIY sessions, fixing unforeseen problems that the videos didn't even mention. And I began to resent YouTube DIYers because they're there, they're so simple. Oh, screw this in here and it's fine, it doesn't leak. Pipes won't burst and then a year later, I'm on my knees in water because a pipe burst. And like, they don't tell you what to do when things go wrong. They tell you how it should be when everything is perfect. And the reality was, most of my time was spent not doing the thing that they told me, but trying to fix something else so I could get back to doing what they told me. 
And sometimes it can feel like that, especially when we come to church and we listen to the scriptures being taught and we listen to these things about how to make good decisions in our lives. We listen to the three steps. Yeah, I get it. I understand that. And it's almost like it's still in its packaging. It's almost like sometimes some of the things that we talk about in church, and not always, and there's some amazing teaching on this, I'm not saying generally, but just sometimes it feels like we have all the theory, we know exactly how to make good decisions, we know exactly what it is that we need to do, but somehow when we actually go to implement this stuff in our lives, we spend the majority of our time stood there looking at it going, I don't know how to apply this to this messy situation. I don't know how to do this theory that I've been taught. You know, does God's word say something? Have we got peace with the Holy Spirit? Do people affirm it? Well, what about when things are upside down and life feels so uncertain and we just can't seem to, to find ourselves in the middle of that? What do we do then? We just simply go a little bit crazy because that void between where we are and where we know we should be just seems to grow bigger and bigger and bigger. And to reiterate, if our life is the sum total of the decisions that we make, we need to learn to make good decisions even in uncertain times. Because life will not always be certain or simple or easy or straightforward. So what I want to do is I want to do what every American DIY YouTube channel did not do for me. And we're going to talk about making decisions when things go wrong. We're going to look specifically at making good decisions in certain places, like problematic places in our lives. When we find ourselves in situations or we find ourselves facing things, let's look at how we make decisions in those places. And maybe for some of us, maybe you're in this, some of these places today. And my heart is that you would be able to be the person that God has created you to be, no matter the circumstance that you find yourself in. Dan, that's not possible. Life can be really difficult. Well, the Bible teaches us that we can have peace that transcends our current circumstance, that we can have resilience that goes deeper than our current circumstance, that we can have a joy that stretches wider than our current circumstance. I believe you can still thrive in the season that you are in right now, no matter who you are, no matter what you've got going on. So we are going to look specifically at the wisdom of Solomon. We're going to look in the book of Proverbs. If you don't know, the book of Proverbs is simply just tons and tons of one-liners. That majority of it was written by King Solomon, who was the son of David. For those of you who know, David wrote the majority of the Psalms. He was a very prolific king. He was seen as a, a very towering figure in scriptures. Solomon was his son. And Solomon was noted to be the wisest man that ever lived. Okay? The story goes, and the Bible teaches us that God asked him, what do you want? And he could have asked for anything. Riches. He could have asked for cattle. Strange request, but it was big at the time. Could have asked for many, many different things. And he simply asked for wisdom and discernment. And God was pleased with what he asked for, and he gave it to him. So Solomon begins to write down all of this wisdom for life. Now, understanding the context of Proverbs is going to be really interesting. Then we're going to zip through some real practical stuff. But it was written roughly between 500 BC and 300 BC. Now, for those of you who know your, your history of the Bible, know that there was an exile just around that time. 
which means that when the Proverbs were written, they were written in the context of the king's court. So this really, really wise man was writing down what God had taught him, but it was actually heard in a completely different context where people either had, some scholars believe they had just come out of an exile. In other words, they were living in a land that was not their own. Everything was upside down. They get sent home. They get home. Everything is, me- is a mess. Imagine turning up to your house after being away for a while and your house had been ransacked. You look around and everything is upside down and all the things that you loved had been burnt and everything that you know had been trashed. They get back and that's the scene that they come back to. And they compile the Proverbs of King Solomon. These these like anchors, these wisdom notes for life. So the context that they would have heard it in is truly an uncertain time. They had no idea what the future looked like. They had no idea if they would ever be able to be who God had once established them to be. So if you're listening this morning, you feel a little bit like that, like life just feels so shaky right now. These Proverbs were spoken to a people that were just like you, unsure of what the future looked like. And these, these sort of lines of wisdom from King Solomon teach people how to live, teach people how to be human. So like I said, what we're going to do is we are going to look at decision-making, making good decisions in uncertain times, but focusing on the things that often go wrong or are problematic places along the way, places that make decision-making really difficult. And these will be common to a lot of us. So these are five places not to make decisions from. Okay, these are five problems that will arise in your life that are going to make decision-making really difficult and some fixes for those as well. Just don't worry, I'm not dropping some negative stuff on your head today. There's some fixes in the Scriptures. So we're going to go through nine or ten Proverbs throughout this. Uh, And if you're taking notes, I encourage you to do so. This is going to be dead practical because this is some stuff that we are all sitting in right now. I will sit in it in our lives. So the first problem is this, the problem of emotionality. The problem of emotionality. Now, many of us know that as humans, we have emotions. And in clinical psychology, this word emotionality is a word that relates to behavior that comes from our emotions. Okay, it's behavior that comes from who we are and how we act. And how many of us know that we go through times in our life where life is amazing? You call these the hilltop moments, the mountaintop moments where life just feels amazing. Everything is good. Maybe you just got the big promotion. Maybe that person just proposed to you or asked you out. Maybe like whatever it might have been, that big thing happened in your life and you feel excited and you're buzzing. And what you want to do is you want to make a big life decision in those places. Or maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you find yourself in the valleys where life just feels like it could not kick you any further down. It feels like money's run out, hope's run out. There's just nothing else going on. What do you want to do? You want to make big life decisions in those places. This is what Solomon says in Proverbs 25, 28. It says, a man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. When he's talking about self-control here, he's painting this picture of our spirit, in some translations say the open spirit, or allowing our emotions to run out of us. He says it's like a city that's been broken into and left without walls. In other words, 
You are open and you are vulnerable. When we find ourselves emotional, good or bad, maybe even afraid, often when I say we've got this, like, these are the steps to make good decisions. What do I do when I'm terrified of the future? What should I do? We tend to make decisions out of that place where we feel emotional. We tend to make permanent decisions in places that are temporary. This is the first place, the first thing I want to encourage you not to do. Do not make decisions when you are emotional. I am not a neurologist or a clinical psychologist, but there are many studies out there to say that when you are high in emotion, your ability for reason, rationality, and logic is far lower, even physiologically. When you are overrun with emotions, you tend not to make wise decisions. But again, we live in a world right now that would encourage you to completely lean into your feelings and make all of your decisions from your feelings. How many of us know that feelings are often different when you wake up in the morning? Feelings are often different when you leave the place that you're in. Feelings are often different. And yet we live in a place that's encouraging us to fix ourselves to our feelings. Solomon says it's like a city without a wall, open for attack, vulnerable to be pushed down and knocked down. So what is the fix? Don't worry, the Proverbs has our fix. It is a clear mind and self-control. If you find yourself in a position this morning where you are high in emotion, maybe something amazing has happened, maybe something painful has happened, and you feel like selling your house or changing your career or doing something drastic right now, my encouragement is this, that is not the best place to make decisions from. That is not the place that you will make wise decisions from especially in times of uncertainty. A clear mind and self-control is the fix to our emotionality. Are you saying emotions are bad, Dan? Not at all. We are emotional beings. We need to understand our emotions. We need to understand our emotional selves. I'm just encouraging you, do not make decisions in those places. This is what Proverbs say. It says, whoever is slow to anger has great understanding. This is in Proverbs 14, 29. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. In other words, he who is quick to emotionally react. In this case, he's talking about anger. He who is quick to anger. When we allow our emotional selves to run, he says, in other words, he glorifies foolishness, pushes away wisdom, but a clear mind and self-control, as you say, gives us understanding, great understanding. If you find yourself in a position where you have to make a big decision in your life, ask yourself, am I hyper-emotional right now? Am I on a mountaintop? Am I in a valley? Am I in a place where actually this is going to be a decision I'm going to have to live with for a long time? There's an alarming statistic about marriages that end when people just impulsively act out of a feeling of emotion. So many people give up on things. So many people step out of positions that they should be in because of the impulse of emotion. When the problem of emotionality surfaces itself in our decision making. And again, take your emotions into account. But do not make them from that. Instead, make decisions from a clear mind and from self-control. 
So the problem of emotionality. The second thing, second problem that we will encounter when it comes to making decisions in times of uncertainty is the problem of isolation. The problem of isolation. Now, some of you aren't going to like this because you've used the, the label of introvert to allow you to sneak away from people. Okay, you've used the word introvert, meaning that you don't bring people into your decision making. See, isolation is a funny thing. If you've ever seen a plant that is maybe in the shade and it begins to grow towards the light and you shut it off in the dark and things begin to warp and change, and it's just the same with us as humans. When we find ourselves in periods of isolation, we begin to think, again, it says in Proverbs, I don't think I have it in this one, but the way of a fool seems right in his own head. When we are alone, we make really dumb decisions. And I'm, I fully appreciate there are some people who are more introverted, but that doesn't mean you don't get to have friends. You don't get to have wise people in your life. This is what... Solomon says in Proverbs 18.1, it says, Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Yo, I'm just reading the Bible. I'm not coming at you this morning. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire and breaks out against all sound judgment. In other words, when we find ourselves isolated, we begin to seek our own desires. We begin to do things that seem right to us. And what does the Bible say? We push away sound wisdom. We push away sound judgment. You need people in your life. If you have decisions to make, one of the worst things you can do is to find yourself isolated. To find yourself sat on your own wondering what it is that you should do and begin to start that internal loop of panic and dread and impulse. So what is the fix? The fix to this problem of isolation that we will encounter is wisdom from the wise. Good community. Wisdom from wise people. This is not profound teaching this morning. This is simple wisdom. From the book of Proverbs, speaking to you and I about how it is that we can truly be human. And what does it say? Proverbs 13, 20, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. The Bible teaches us if you want to be a person that is wise, that has the ability to make decisions in life. Maybe you're stood there being like, should I move to that place? Should I go there? Should I take up this career? Should I completely switch my career? Do I retire early? Do we have kids now? All of the things that we have to make. What does it say? Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. Community is an essential element of our ability to make decisions in uncertain times. Yet what is the first impulse that we have when things are uncertain? We begin to push people away. I don't want people to see this. I don't want people to experience me like this. I, I don't really want to bring people into it. I don't really have anything to say right now. I don't really have any answers for the questions that people have. We push people away and we isolate ourselves and our ability to make good decisions is sidelined. And one bad decision leads to another bad decision and another bad decision until we wake up one day so far from the people that we thought God had made us to be. If you have some big decisions to make, even you have little decisions to make, invite wise counsel, wise community into your life. 
to help you make decisions. Okay, the problem of emotionality, the problem of isolation. The third thing is this, the problem of nostalgia. The problem of nostalgia. See, the tricky thing about us as humans is we love a bit of nostalgia. Nostalgia is sometimes like a drug for us humans. Like we look back at fun times in our lives and we say things like, oh, they were the good old days, weren't they? Oh, do you remember those days? Ah, and we begin to sit in this place of nostalgia. And, I, and it's not totally bad. A little bit of nostalgia is sometimes nice. Every now and again, I'll hear a theme tune from a TV show I watched in the 90s. And I remember uh, there's the, some, some branding from some sweet I would eat when I was a kid. And you go, ah, oh, do you remember those days? They were fun days. And it's all right to remember and to appreciate. Maybe some of you are a bit younger than me. Well, ah, oh, I remember when. I remember when internet came out and you could log on to things quicker. I mean, to be fair, I remember, who remembers dial-up internet? What a strange era of time. You would just sit and stare at a screen while your computer made weird animal noises at you and you would load one web page every 10 minutes. It was a, quite the time. Yet we were all buzzing off it. You see, nostalgia. But sometimes nostalgia can suck us into a deeper hole where we find ourselves so discontent with where we find ourselves. And ultimately what it does is it turns us away from what God has called us to and sucks us into this view that our past was greater than our future. Solomon also wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. So I'm going to dip in just for this one because I think it's beautiful. It says this, Ecclesiastes 7.10, Say not, why were the former days better than these? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. The Bible is teaching us about nostalgia. Say not, why were the former days better than these days? For it is not from wisdom that you ask this. The Bible is teaching us, especially when it comes to making decisions. I remember right after COVID, there were so many people saying, if only things could get back to how they were. If only things could get back to how they were before the pandemic. And I remember feeling so sad because the thing is, those days were gone. And we had new days to step into. And there was exciting things that God was calling us into. Yes, there were challenges. Yes, there were obstacles and hurdles. But our best days are always ahead of us. And nostalgia teaches us that our best days will always be behind in this period of time. What do we do? We begin to think that God is finished with us. We begin to think that Maybe I peaked when I was in college or maybe I peaked when maybe God did what he wanted to do with me then and now the rest of my life is just this slow, gradual decline until I fall into my grave. What a sad way to live our lives when God is calling us into the glorious future that he has for us. Nostalgia is a sickness and so many times we will find ourselves looking back Appreciate what God has done. Appreciate the times, but do not allow it to teach you that your best days are behind you. So what is the fix for this problem when it comes to making decisions? When we stand there and think, if only I, I could get back there, I'm going to make decisions to try and manufacture this weird part of time. What do we do? Well, the Bible teaches us to have a view of purpose and a mindset oriented towards the future. 
The Bible teaches us so much about how it is that we are to live in this life. Because how many of us know that it is so difficult to be who God has called us to be? It's easy to just be a feather in the wind. To just blow around and maybe wake up when you're 60 years old being like, oh, I gave it a good run. But to be who God has made us to be, it takes decision making and intentionality. It takes discipline. It takes us enduring difficult things. And once we push through those difficult times, there's always bright sun on the other side. But we have to get through some stuff. And the Bible teaches us that to have a view of our purpose, that God has a purpose on our lives. And that he has a view of the future. This is what Solomon says. Proverbs 16.3. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. See, this whole passage, if you go into the behind the scenes of what this, this passage means, he's talking about our future. Commit to the Lord whatever it is that you are doing, and he will establish your plans. In other words, it says in some other translations, he will make clear your future. Commit to God whatever you are doing. See, he's teaching us about moving. Teaching us about moving forward. It's like momentum. This like trajectory towards something, not a stood still looking back at what once was amazing, but a trajectory of God is calling me into something, into a life of beauty and joy and creativity and peace. That's what he has for you on the other side, not just behind you, but right in front of you. Commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. God is a God that pulls us into the future. Maybe some of you in this moment right now are sat looking at a job you once had, a relationship you were once in, a life you once dreamed of, a thing that you once experienced, sat here so discontent with the current moment, so hopeless about your future because you feel like it will never line up to the days that you've had, the glory days. My encouragement is this, there is future inside. If you're still breathing, there is still hope. God is not done with you. Your best days are ahead of you. Not because I'm stood here encouraging you. Not because a fridge magnet told me so. But because the Bible teaches us that when we commit our ways to God, He establishes our future. The problem of nostalgia is always a difficult one when we have to make decisions. The fourth thing is this. The problem of desperation. Desperation. Now, some of you would say desperation can be a good thing sometimes. When you're desperate to see something, you will endure things, you will push things. That's not the sort of desperation I mean. I'm talking about desperation when you feel like your back is up against the wall. I've had a few moments in my life where I've had like a looming sort of like deadline on something and I felt like I've had to make a quick decision and I've been there and out of this feeling of desperation I've made a dumb decision I've not been wise or whatever it was that feeling our back is up against the wall and we feel like we have no options okay it's like Dan great three-step process for decisions but what if I feel like I have no decisions to make what about that problem because we will face those times where we feel like, I have to make a decision and my back is up against the wall. This is what Proverbs 19.2 says. It says, desire without knowledge is not good. 
And whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. Whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. Proverbs is teaching us here that when we find ourselves in those places of desperation, often we will look around, we know where it is we want, we know where it is we want to go. But actually when we find ourselves feeling desperate, we will claw often for the easiest or the most convenient or the quickest or the thing that's closest by us. We will make the decision based not on wisdom, but on what will get us out of that place of desperation. Maybe that's where you are today. You feel like you've got this looming thing that's ever, ever drawing closer. You have a decision to make. And instead of being wise, you're just jumping into things because you don't like that feeling. You feel like you're just throwing yourself into it. Well, there is a fix. Just like my cheesy American DIY guys that I watch that don't show me the fix. There is a fix. And it's this. Trust in God. Like, damn, this is so profound this morning. Simply trust in God. Listen to this in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And what? Do not lean on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. When you feel like your back is up against the wall and you have no decision to make, you feel like the decision has been made for me. I feel like I have no options. You always have options. And that might be as simple as trust my own gut or trusting God. That is the most simple decision that you will have to make in seasons of uncertainty. Oh, do I do this? Do I do that? Ultimately, what you're saying is, am I going to trust myself or am I going to trust God? The Bible says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Commit to God. Trust the heart of God. And he will make your path straight. If you find yourself in a position of desperation this morning, my simple encouragement is this. Trust God with your everything. You've got some big decisions on the horizon. Trust God. Acknowledge him in the process. The worst thing you could possibly do is lash out in this feeling of desperation. The problem of desperation. And finally, the fifth problem, the place that we do not want to make decisions from, if you want to make good decisions, is the problem of jealousy or comparison. The problem of jealousy or comparison. Proverbs 14.30 says this, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. How many of us have been times, you don't have to put your hand up, don't worry. How many of us have been times where we have been comparing ourselves to someone else and we feel like, oh, I'm just not as far on as them. I feel like oh, I'm just not doing life as good as them. I feel like my faith just isn't as good as theirs. I feel like I'm just not measuring up compared to the people around me. Or maybe you've gone to the extreme of that and you're in a position of jealousy where you're looking at people and you are resenting them because you're like, I desperately want what they've got. I I want that. God, why haven't you given me that? God, I really want that. How can I get that? I really, really, this almost obsession about where other people are at and what other people have got. Proverbs tells us that an envious heart will rot your bones. In other words, from the inside out. Jealousy is one of those things 
that turns you inside out. Comparison is one of those things that makes you feel disgusting from the inside out. Because it takes your eyes off God and what He's called you to do and who He's made you to be and places them on what God has asked of other people, what God has given other people. And what happens? We get so distracted that we stand still. Life begets, begins to get stagnant. And then we get angry at God. God, why am I here? Why are things so difficult? Why am I stood still? And we're there looking at everyone else and looking at what everyone else has and desiring what everyone else has rather than looking at what God has given us. God, what do you want me to do with what you have given me right now? This is Solomon's fix. It is righteousness and alignment to God. If you find yourself in a position where you are comparing yourself to others and you are deeply unhappy, deeply troubled with who you are and who God has made you to be because you're so dissatisfied. Focus on righteousness and alignment to God. This is what, this is what he says. Proverbs 4, 23, 25. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything that you do flows from it. Keep your mouth free from uh, perversity, keep corrupt talk far from your lip, lips. And listen to this. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. The wisdom of Solomon here is saying this. Stop looking everywhere else. Stop trying to feed yourself with everything else and look straight ahead. Be on the path that God has put you on. Be where you are right now and ask God what it is that you should do with what he has given you. The longer that you spend comparing yourself and your position and your situation with everyone else's, the more dissatisfied you will become with what, with what God has given you. But when you guard your heart by fixing your eyes straight ahead on what he's asked you to do, it says, guard your heart because all of your life flows from it. That is the place that you will find yourself. You want to make good decisions in times of uncertainty? Stop looking around. Stop looking at how everyone else is doing it. That doesn't mean isolate yourself and don't invite people into that space. But stop watching everyone else. God has a future on your life. He has a plan for you right here, right now. So look at Him. And let Him tell you who you are. The problem of... Jealousy or comparison. I'm going to invite the team up. But here, are, these are five problems that we will encounter. I know in my life, I've often listened to these things. And I hope you can relate this morning to when you feel like you know what it is that you should do. And then life presents itself and you just can't seem to apply it. It just doesn't seem to work like they said from the front of church. When we find ourselves in one of these five areas whether it be that problem of emotionality, whether it's that place of isolation, whether it's you're wrestling with nostalgia or you're in a place of desperation or you're jealous and comparing yourself, you will find yourself in one of those. The list could be endless of problems that you will face in your life. We don't have time to go through all seven million of them today. But here are a few I believe that are just really, really significant. 
Because I believe that if you can make good decisions in the midst of uncertainty, you can be who God has called you to be no matter what life looks like. But I got a bit of bad news for you. Oh no, bad news. I got a little bit of bad news for you. The bad news is this, and then there's some good news. But some bad news is this. I'm afraid it's not all possible on your own. Okay, this is not a TED Talk. This is not, this is not just Pinterest. This is not just you know, self, that self-help book in WH Smith's. This is not possible on our own. How many of us know when we're feeling emotional, it's the hardest thing to make good decisions and be wise in those times. It's really difficult. We cannot do it on our own. But the good news is this. All of it is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. All of it is possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. You might be there this, this morning right now feeling like, Dan, all those things sound great, but the whole thing is, is when you're in a problem, you're in a problem and life is really difficult. Well, yeah, if you try and do all this in your own strength, you have your, your little tick list. Okay, I'm going to try and invite wise counsel into my isolation. It's really difficult when you're in periods of isolation. It is impossible on your own. But it is fully possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. So if you find yourself there right now, don't rely on your own strength. Invite the Holy Spirit to move through your life, to speak to you and to give you the courage, the strength, the boldness to do what needs to be done in this season of time so you can be who God has called you to be. Maybe some of you are in here right now and you have the biggest decision that you will ever make on the table in front of you. And that is the decision of this. You're stood there listening to me this morning, talking about the goodness of God, about how God has a purpose for us and a plan for us. And you're there like, I need to make this decision on whether I even believe in this God or not. Well, I want to encourage you, there is a God who loves you more than anything. He breathed life into you. He made you just as you are. He has placed future within you. And He loves you so much that He sent Himself to this earth to live a human life, to show us what humanity really looked like. He died on a cross to take on all your brokenness and your shame and your sin, led in a tomb for three days, and rose again to demonstrate His power and to give you and I a hope for our future, to actually give us hope. You're here this morning being like, I have a decision to make. And I want to encourage you, this is the biggest decision and the most impactful decision you could ever make. And that is this. Will you accept the outstretched hand of Jesus this morning that invites you into a relationship of wholeness and peace with God? With every head bowed and eye closed.